You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Okay, on this episode of the Mitch and Rich Show, we're going to go over some news items that we've missed while we were off, and then we're going to give you a review, Uh, I guess more of a discussion. We don't really, I don't know, do you consider that we do reviews, Richard? I mean, I guess, I guess theoretically we are reviewing it in a specific way. We just, we aren't grading it or scoring it. Yeah, we don't give like a a definite like go out and see this. We're just literally critiquing it and and saying what we thought of the movie, right? Yeah. So we are going to be critiques a better word. Yeah, that's that's a good. Yeah, there you go. We're critiquing it. Uh, We are going to talk about. Um, coming to America. That's right. The sequel to Coming to America, <laughs> which is kind of confusing, right? Like, a little bit. Like, yeah, do you I have s- to emphasize the two in the second one? Coming to America. I think you do. I think they almost like should have put an exclamation point behind the two, so that you had to scream it or yell it, <laughs> so that people would know that you were talking about coming to. America and not coming to America. <laughs> I mean, very confusing. I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. I saw a, a like meme thing where it was like someone was like, "Oh, I need to contact Pixar because I have a brilliant name for Ratatouille," and they were like, "Oh, is it Ratatouille?" And he was like, "Oh, no, but that's way better than what I was going to say. It was just Ratatouille too." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, it kind of fits in this situation too, where it's coming." to america instead of coming to america yeah so or coming to america <laughs> and i, mean, I guess not, the america's pretty excited on that one too why not just stick with with coming to america too like if you weren't going to give it some fancy subtitle just stick with coming to america too right or yeah i mean th- that would have worked or coming to america again like yeah yeah that would work uh but like yeah. it, it it's like the third Bad Boys movie. They went with Bad Boys for Life. They used the number four, but it's not the mm-hmm. fourth movie. So, like, it's confusing. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah. And I mean, what are they going to do now? Now they've just <laughs> thrown that away. I, they, right? Right? <laughs> they were like, we're not getting a fourth movie, so we'll just throw it out there. And then they're like, yeah, actually, we are getting a fourth movie. They're like, damn it. And then you know what, you know what happened? Bad Boys for Life was the number one movie of 2020. It made the most money in the box office. Yeah, that oddly <laughs> checks out, right? That happened. That that happened. Uh, but yes, we are going to be talking about Coming to America, and it is available on Amazon Prime. So, Richard, the first thing I wanted to talk about, well, the things I wanted to talk about all kind of center around the same company. So another oh. streaming platform has emerged. Oh uh, God, really? Kind of. Okay. Yeah, because Paramount Plus is taking over the space that was CBS All Access. So CBS All Access was 
literally just the TV series and movies that were on CBS. But now CBS Viacom, which is the parent company that owns Paramount, uh, is going to take all the properties that were were in Paramount and part of that Paramount network of television and put it all on Paramount Plus. So you get, you know, uh, you get your your Comedy Central shows, you get your Nickelodeon shows, you're going to get CBS, you're going to get uh, a couple other things too. Um, they offer a ad free tier and then an ad added ad tier uh but but you have to pay for both so Hmm. have you joined paramount plus uh no no (laughs) have you seen anything from paramount plus that has interest you um hmm good question uh not i mean no, <laughs> that's not fun. not not really. I mean, not that I can think of off the top of my head, anyway. I mean, that's fair. You don't have to. You don't have to have anything that you really want to check out. Uh, what what would you say your your top streaming platforms are right now? Your top two. Um, my top two would still be Netflix, um, and probably Amazon Prime. Uh, really? are, are probably the two that I'm using the most. Um. Obviously, we have another movie we're going to talk about at some point, but that was on Hulu's. Yep. So I did. I did watch the Hulu's. Um, I mean, let's see here. Uh, let me let me rephrase that. I'll answer that question by saying this: um, those are the two that I use the most. But I mean, I have Netflix. I have Amazon Prime. I have Hulu. I have. HBO Max. I have Discovery Plus. Okay. I have Apple TV okay. Plus. Uh Shutter, which is recent. Uh-huh. Um I that's surprising is, to me though that you you have Shutter, but keep going. Yeah, I'm going to circle back to that cuz I I knew that was coming. Everybody was like, "What the f- <laughs> what?" Um so I have those. Um what other ones are there? I don't have the I don't have the CBS one. Okay, well that's that's no longer oh, around. I, I, I have I have YouTube TV. Oh, which is kind of a, I mean it is a streaming platform, it, kind of. You have to pay for it, so yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so that's eight. That is that God, is eight right there. Do, do I have any other ones? There might be some other ones I'm paying for that I don't even remember. <laughs> well, here let me let me go through the ones that I have. Yeah, tell I, me what you get. I have Netflix. I have HBO Max. I have Disney Plus. I have Hulu. Oh, I do have that one too. I do have Disney Plus. So I'm at nine, and you're you're at four, and you said Hulu is that five? No, Hulu was four. Hulu's four. Okay. Uh, Prime Video. Um, okay. I also have Discovery Plus. I have Shutter. I have Peacock. Well, I guess I don't technically have Peacock because I don't pay for it, but I do have eh, the, the free you version still have of it. Access to it. And then there's Tubi and Pluto TV, which I discovered Pluto TV like a couple weeks ago. That thing is amazing. I love Pluto. Yeah, I love Pluto. Pluto is amazing. It all the time. <laughs> uh, I have a Plex server. Uh, I use the CW app, um, and I also have I have Dish Network, so I still have that streaming yeah. as well. Um, down to the master. I don't know if I have anything. I definitely don't have 
Oh, I have uh, I have the Showtime and Stars channels on my airs on my Amazon Prime. Yeah. Does that count? I'm paying for I them. So. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so that puts me at 15. Like Jesus Christ, that's so way too much. I do not have Paramount Plus. I don't. No, I, I don't think I'm going to get it because it just okay. seems like too much. But I, I'm sure there's going to eventually be something on there that I want to watch, and I'm going to cave yeah, and pay for another uh, thing. It's hard. It's so it's so hard to be a cable cutter these days. It's it's almost worse in some ways. I mean, I mean, not really though. Not really though, because you get to access whatever you want when you want. So it's still better. But the funny thing is, is that like sometimes you have a very specific movie that you want you want to watch, and you go looking for it, and it's not available on anything. Like, That's and I'm not true. talking about like new movies. New movies you can pretty much find anywhere. But like older movies, you like, uh, what was it I was looking for? the other day uh maybe i I think the replacements i think yeah i think the replacements i was like i just want to watch something that i can have on that i i know in and out and i can watch i can watch while i or listen to while i'm while i'm writing away and uh it's not available it wasn't available on anything that i own like that's ridiculous that that is ridiculous especially the replacements because it's it's one of those things where it's an older movie but it's not super old like no. it's not one that you would expect no one to be like mm, it would be not good for us to have the replacements like no i i would totally watch that because like, you even <laughs> just said it i was like oh shit where did he find it because and then you're like that spoiler alert you can't watch it i was like son of a why watch it probably be on paramount plus and i, I, yeah, I mean, if i would have had it i would have been able to watch it <laughs> no it, same thing happened to me a, a more obscure film but i went to watch the original vanishing point from 1971 not the like 1999 version or whatever it was that they redid with vigo mortensen but like the original vanishing point from like 1970 because I'm, I'm like trying to, weirdly i'm trying to work on a project that's like grindhouse exploitation type movie thing and i was like oh god i really remember enjoying the exploitation aspect of of vanishing it's like car exploitation but like i really enjoy it it's again nowhere you can't rent it you can't buy it you can't stream it it's literally like it doesn't kind of exist other not than even, the fact that you can find it on imdb i was gonna say not even like on uh the criterion streaming like is that not a criterion movie at this point Oh, you know what? I didn't. Uh, I doubt that's a criteria. I doubt that'll ever be a Criterion Collection film. But um, I don't know, man. Do, they they have a lot back. of I like you can buy it on Amazon uh, obscure ones now that that are on cri- Criterion. Like, mm. and I, I'm I'm very, actually very surprised you don't have that that streaming platform. Like, I figure that one would be right up your your alley. Which brings us back to Shutter. Why do you have Shutter? Well, uh, let me answer that question with a question. Why do you have Shutter? Because <laughs> you said it too, and I was like. Why do we both have this? I got it because of the the uh, in search of darkness like um, documentary. I thought those were, were pretty good, so I was watching that with uh, John and uh, and Creepshow. Creepshow, I like Creepshow. Like I've I've liked Creepshow since I was a kid. Well, I'm gonna have to watch those. So I got it. Uh, so there's a band named uh, Carpenter Brew or Carpenter Brute, depending upon how you actually pronounce it. Um, and they have this like really cool music video that came out, and I really enjoy their music. And so the people, uh, from what I understand of at least, the people that did that music video for them did uh, – it, it gets confusing. Because originally I think it was just supposed to be a short film, but then Shudder was advertising it as like – 
a series. And so I was like, oh, weird. I was like, I, I guess they made it a series. But it's only on Shudder. So I was like, all right, there's a free trial. I'll check it out. And then, of course, I kind of got busy and I couldn't really watch it. But uh, So I'm now paying for Shudder instead of just doing the smart thing and watching it during the week free trial and then canceling it. Um, but it's weird because it basically is just a short film, but then they broke it up into three parts for seemingly no reason other than to say that they have it as a series because the first quote unquote, like episode, I think is like 17 minutes. And then the second one's like 19 or 20 minutes. And then the third one is also, I think like 17 minutes or something. It's not really a series per se. Uh, I guess that's kind of what they were talking about doing with the Snyder cut. I don't know. It's weird. But then I also saw that The Color from Outer Space is on there, which I was like, oh, I am interested in seeing that because yeah. it's Nick Cage. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just... I've spent eight bucks on dumber shit before, so I'll just <laughs> hang on to it. And uh, I'll, I, But now I'm going to have to watch the two things that you just said because I was like, oh, that's at least there's other things on there. Yeah, that documentary was really good. I, I really enjoyed it. So if you give it give it a shot in the search of darkness, uh, it's all about horror movies throughout uh, the 80s. All right. I will give it a go. Um, but the whole point of bringing up streaming service was because uh, Star Trek, which is heavily done on CBS All Access now, Paramount, uh, they have about half a dozen dozen new shows of Star Trek. Like there's Discovery and there's Lower Decks and there's Picard. Uh, I, I know that there's like a, at least two more. Uh, however, J.J. Uh, Abrams' Bad Robot is going to produ- be producing yet another movie for Star oh. Trek. And it's going to be written by Kalinda Vazquez, who uh, wrote some episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Um, she was also a co- co-executive producer on Fear of the Walking Dead. And uh, one of the coolest... And she has a whole bunch of other um, uh, credits to her name, but one of the coolest things about uh, her is that she's actually named after a character in the second season episode of the original... Star Trek series, <laughs> Kalinda. Oh, no way. Yeah. That is actually really cool. What a story to be like, hey, I'm named after this and now I'm working on it. That's yeah. pretty sick. So as a person who was uh, a very big Star Trek fan, I, I, mm-hmm. I think I could still put you in that uh, group. How do you yeah. feel about another another movie from Bad Robot? I'm... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think I'm interested in it at least. You know what I mean? I I, I think they've done some good things with it, and and obviously, I think there's been some that were not liked as much as some of the other ones. Um, that's actually what I was gonna say when you were like, "Oh, I just recently discovered Pluto TV," and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I basically just leave it on the Star Trek uh, channel and it just plays Star Trek: The Next Generation all the time. Like oh, wow. currently. Yeah, so I'm just getting, you know, tons of Captain Picard and Data and Worf and all that stuff. Geordi, all the good stuff, you know what I mean? Um, I, I don't know. I, I think it's, I, I mean, it's where the industry's at for starters. I mean, we're we're definitely in the territory of remakes and continuations of existing IPs. Like, very few people are interested in exploring kind of original ideas at this point. Um, at least in terms of, like, the major, major, like, players and stuff. 
is it going to go to theaters at all or is it kind of like exclusive to this to the streaming platform at this moment i don't think it's known i'm I, i'm sure the plan is for it to go to theaters though like star trek is still a uh property that they want to make big in the theaters i would assume I mean, I would think so, too. It, you know, I would definitely uh, believe that as well. It's just interesting, though, because of obviously the state of affairs that the world is in. And then, you know, the the Warner Brothers HBO Max move that they did where it's like, are they going to do something like that? You know, like, and I mean, I do you, I don't know. Do you know how many subscribers Paramount Plus has? Well, they just started up March 4th. So I don't know if they've actually released any numbers like that. I, I didn't look it up. That's um, fair. But you were you were you were jumping the gun a little bit on uh, one of the news stories because Paramount Plus during their investor day launch day uh, like stream that they did like before the March fourth uh, they also announced that uh, certain Paramount movies not all of them but during twenty twenty one. After a window of 35 to 45 days in theaters, they will be, they will premiere or they will, they will be available on Paramount Plus for uh, a limited amount of time. Uh, movies like A Quiet Place 2, Mission Impossible 7, uh, Paw Patrol, the movie. And, and I know that's something that you're really into. And oh, so excited. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick. Hmm. I'm, I, I, it's so funny that that hasn't come out. I feel like I've been hearing about Top Gun Maverick for like 50 years now. <laughs> and I'm just like, I want to watch this movie. Is it out yet? And then you're like, yeah. After I'm like, God, it's still not out? As of right now, uh, I believe... No, it doesn't say when the, the release date for Top Gun Maverick is. But, like, I mean, obviously, we were supposed to get it last summer. And yeah. that didn't happen because pandemic and uh uh they pushed it back to this summer i don't know if they've pushed it back since then uh it does actually it does look like that paramount will it will arrive in paramount plus in 2022 so maybe that one doesn't get the 45 day uh window but what do you how do you feel about that a 45 day window uh like they're not doing the same as hbo hbo max with day and date release uh, they are. Not, it's it's not Netflix where it's only going to be re- be releasing sh- on streaming. Uh, this is a forty five. I mean, obviously, they came up with a deal with movie theaters to um, do a forty five day window, a thirty five to forty five day window for it to be exclusively in theaters before it goes to streaming. I mean, I think it's fine. I think it's a good idea to to make it pretty quickly available to you know streaming platforms there's a lot of people that still just don't feel safe going to the theater yet and that totally makes sense um it sounds like i mean i I haven't looked too much into it but it sounds like they've kind of broached it and made deals with the theaters and then i would assume also have made uh some deals with the the filmmakers themselves too um which that was kind of my only issue with how HBO handled it. Warner Brothers, HBO Max, whatever kind of handled it, where they kind of just went behind everybody's back and, you know, did this and basically kind of allegedly screwed people out of a bunch of money or that's kind of how it, it seemed, right? I do think it's uh, smart and I'm always behind the idea of of getting it to people as quickly as possible because obviously people that are going to go to the theater are going to go there, mm-hmm. Right. 
uh, and this is, I think this is true even in non-pandemic times, right? Like, I, I, I don't think that this is necessarily a bad trend for things to happen because there are inherently more people that just want to watch things at home. Um, so I think, you know, getting something into the theaters and then onto the streaming platforms as quickly as possible, but yet still businessly industry responsible as possible as well uh i think is smart i think that also kind of would help cut down on piracy a lot too because the quicker that you can close that gap the less argument and reason someone's going to actually have to try to pirate something right um so i think there i do think it's a good thing if you know all those other things are being considered and it sounds like it is you know what i mean and I think when it comes to waiting a little bit, right, if you're like, oh, this comes out in theaters, but if I wait a month or two, I can watch it at home. I think a lot of people are going to be okay with that. Not, And again, not just right now during the pandemic, but even going forward, because there is more content being released now than ever before. And so I think people have tons of options to watch things. So again, including that thing where it's like, hey, you can go see this right away if you want in the theater. Or if you want to wait, you can wait and watch it on one of the streaming platforms. I feel like that's kind of a win-win-win, you know? So you think it's a good compromise from the day and date to the full 90 day? I mean, it's literally a half a half of the way. I mean, I guess these three movies in particular are going to jump past the... Uh, rental and pay-per-view windows also they're just going to go straight to a release on paramount plus after 45 days Uh, but i mean do you feel like that's a good not taking into account like anybody's back-end deal for box offices Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but just for the viewer the audience like do you you feel that's a good um compromise i mean i think so right i mean i I think inevitably it's gonna have to go kind of that way eventually anyway right because i mean I, I I mean, when was do you do you recall the last time you bought a movie? Um, I mean, I didn't buy it. Someone someone bought it for me. I would have bought it if they hadn't. But I bought nineteen seventeen, or someone bought nineteen seventeen for me on DVD. Okay, I mean that's pretty recent. That's yeah. a lot more recent than I was anticipating you were going to say. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, I don't remember the last time i actually purchased a movie like even digitally purchased yeah wow i mean that's a thing i mean granted i like you know my circumstances are a lot different now because i just don't have the same amount of time as i as i used to but um even then more often than not whatever i want to watch is already on a streaming platform or at the very least it's it's open up uh for like a a digital rental or something i've done a few digital i've done more digital rentals recently obviously because of you know the pandemic and stuff so i mean i would say i've done that but i mean i haven't purchased purchased a movie in quite a while um and i feel like that's probably true for the bulk majority of of viewers in a sense right is that i feel like more people are like well i have this streaming platforms or i have all of these streaming platforms i mean like you said you had like 15 i have nine i would say the average person's probably at least five yeah um 
it, it, that's just a guess. Obviously, I'm not. I don't have any hard statistical data on that. I'm sure it's out there. I just don't have it in front of me. But I would I would venture to say that it's probably a fair guess that the average person at least has access to probably five different streaming platforms at this point, right? I don't think that's too far of a stretch. I don't think so. so I mean, and I think that yeah, a lot of people are also. I know that we're not supposed to be doing it, but sharing, you know, like it's, it's just, it's just the way that it's going to be. And I'm sure that the companies take that into account. Like it's so many people are going just in a household alone are going to be sharing one account. I think they know that because I mean, Netflix lets you have different profiles. I mean, you could have up to like, I think five or six different profiles. So like they, they totally know. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, doesn't that? I and I honestly don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. But doesn't that say like those are supposed to be within your household? Like those profiles? No. Okay. I think it just says. I think it just says like your your family group. But I mean, again, they could. They have the ability to track where the IP is logging in from. So I mean, they True. know that like I'm logging in from here, and my sister's logging in from several states away. So I mean, like. They they have I mean they definitely have the analytical data to know for sure that that's not happening and I think it's one of those things where it's like you're right obviously that is going to happen um, I think YouTube YouTube TV does a thing though where it does track like your your IP address and you have to like log back into your IP address or like from that IP address to that account ever so often or it won't let you continue watching. So they're obviously a little bit more strict about it than, um, you know, Netflix and some of the other ones. But but yeah, it, it's everyone's doing it for sure. Yeah, 1000% agree. Uh, yeah, so that a 45 day window, I definitely think is is a good thing. Like you're not going to be too if if you've decided you don't you do not want to go to the movie theater like it's it's not too far of a window that you'll be out of the loop uh about whatever it is that people are people are talking about having to do with that movie mm-hmm. um and and you're right it will help cut down on piracy and make sure that people are getting uh paid for the hard work that they've done to make a movie so the other one of the other announcements there was a lot of announcements that were made uh, at this investor day event or investor event for Paramount Plus, uh, but there specifically that they announced five five IP properties that were originally movies that will be made into TV series for Paramount Plus. Uh, we already knew about Grease, a Grease prequel. I'm sorry, uh, and a Godfather making of TV series. So it's not a documentary about the godfather but a scripted television series about the making of the godfather like am i making myself clear what that is i think so yeah so it's it's yeah um but adding to the 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 five five movies or five properties that are going to be adding to these series uh is love story um i don't i don't know the no 1970 uh, Fatal Attraction, The Parallax View, The Italian Job, and Flashdance. Like, I know four of these properties. I don't know what The Parallax View is. I've heard people talk about it, and it sounds like it's great, but uh, do you know about these properties? Uh, yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I, I think I know all of them except for the, the Parallax thing. That doesn't sound 
familiar at all. What's the parallax what? View. Oh, yeah. So let's see. This little blurb that's on uh, the Hollywood Reporter says, The Parallax View, currently in development, is a scripted take based on the 1974 film from David Giller and Lorenzo Semple Jr. that was based on the 1970 novel of the same name by Lauren Lauren Singer. The film revolves around a reporter's investigation into a secretive organization, the Parallax Corps, or Corporation, uh, whose primary fo- focus is political assassination. It's the second in director Alan J. Palooka's Political Paranoia trilogy that also included 1971's Clute and 1976's All the President's Men, oh. a film which starred Warren Beatty, Hume Cronin, and William Daniels has drawn renewed interest in the past few years. A writer has not yet been uh, determined. Paula Wagner of Mission Impossible is attached to executive produce. Weird. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I've never heard of that, that at all. I don't, that's strange. So, yeah. That sounds like a political thriller made into a TV series, which is not, un, not unheard of. Like I could, I could see that happening, but like love story, uh, fatal attraction, flash dance, the Italian job, like I can see the Italian job being made into a TV series because you could always have more heists to do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, after the first season, but like, what? Where do you go after Fatal Attraction? Like, it's it's about a guy cheating on his wife. Where what what happens after the first season? Like, does she just keep tormenting them? Uh, in Love Story, isn't Love Story about one of them dying? I believe so. Yeah. I, I, it's been a while, but yeah, I think so. <laughs> so it just seems like weird properties to make into some type of, I mean, unless they're all just going to be limited series kind of thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's really hard to say because uh, I mean, you're right. I mean, it could just be a one and done type thing or, or they could try to go the unfortunate way of just stretching it out. Uh, as much as humanly possible which <laughs> traditionally n- never works out well for tv stuff so uh i mean would, would, would there be any of these that you would be interested in watching i mean i, I would probably give all of them a, a chance you know at least uh i would i would definitely be interested in for sure the the italian job i think that sounds really cool um, I remember liking Flashdance a lot, like in the, you know, uh, all the 80s movies type thing, right? I was, I, I totally would check it out at least, see if it's worth anything. Um, the Parallax View thing sounds kind of cool. I mean, it, it, not familiar with it, but uh, again, I would give it a shot, you know. I mean, that could definitely work in your favor not being familiar with it. It could, yeah. I wouldn't have any expectations kind of going into it, you know. Um. So, yeah, if you want to look up more about what is going to be offered or what is currently offered on Paramount Plus, uh, you can go uh, check that out. Uh, I think it's $4.99 with ads and $7.99 ad-free if you decide to pick it up. It's not bad. Okay. Let's get into talking about the movie we that brought us here today. What is your feeling towards the original coming to America in 1988? Um, 
it's been a very long time since I've seen the original movie. Um, I really like Eddie Murphy. I like a lot of the stuff that he's done. Um, I mean, if I had to take a guess, I'm pretty sure there's probably a lot of stuff in the original movie that uh, is not really politically correct nowadays. Um, (laughs) as kind of just was the comedy of the eighties, you know? So I'm, I'm sure there, I'm sure it's in there. You know what I mean? But I'm sure um, it is too. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I really like a lot of Eddie Murphy's stuff, uh, you know, coming to America, Beverly Hills cop, you know, golden child, like a lot of his, films that he was uh, trading places you know what i mean like i I don't know i grew up watching those movies so i i really enjoy them again it's not a movie that i'm like oh i've got to watch that every year or every other year you know what i mean like but i enjoyed it i I don't know what about you like do, do you regularly view this or did you not like the first one oh so i i love that you brought it up in in that way um because Yes, Coming to America is definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a movie that I watch at least once a year. Uh, wow. I often quote this movie, uh, especially with uh, coworkers that, you know, that were of a older age around 1988 when this came up. Probably, you know, their late teens, early 20s. Um, so, like, it hit just right for them. And it's just one of my favorite movies. So, I will, I will die laughing watching coming to america uh 1988 anytime um with that being said <laughs> i was really looking forward to the sequel and i want to say i enjoyed it i enjoyed it thoroughly it just wasn't as good as i thought it was going to be or at least was hoping that it was going to be now and that I think this brings up a really interesting dynamic point to the way this conversation might be headed, right? Is I first off, I'm ashamed at myself that I didn't know that about you. I mean, I had an idea that you liked it. I didn't know it was like that high uh, up on your on your your list. Do you think that that played any sort of of role? And you maybe not liking this as much? Like, do you feel like you had a little bit too much expectation for it? Oh, I most definitely think that plays up to it. Not so much the expectation, just the fact that it had so much to live up to in the first place. Um, I I mean, I kind of always felt like there was no way they could possibly live up to it after close to 30 years. Or, I'm sorry, close to 40 years. Uh, It's like 38, isn't it? It's 88, so that would be... Oh, 88. Yeah, so that'd be, what, 34 years? Or 30, oh, well. 33 years? Yeah. Anyways, that was close. So, <laughs> so, like, I just think that... Uh, it, I mean, I just knew that it wasn't going to, to live up to that, but I was hoping with what they were they were doing here that it was going to be better than it was but however i do want to say i did enjoy it i i had fun with this movie there is a lot of a lot going on i just thought it was odd like how much they spend on trying to say like hey 
you know, this is a different time. We need to be more progressive, but yet still having jokes in there that are very like cringy and like, yeah, that's not okay anymore. Even in this, like, especially now kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, that was, I guess, going to kind of be my next question to you as well was like, do you feel like it's I don't know I'm trying it's it's so hard not to be somewhat <laughs> offensive but do you feel like the politically correct culture of today's kind of society played a role in limiting this film's ability to attack humor in the way that the 88 version did I don't think it's so much the political correctness that hurt it because I think feel like they tried they made a pg-13 movie here uh mm-hmm. whereas in 88 the original coming to america i built has to be is rated r i i have to believe that it's rated r um yeah it's rated r so like i, I was think like, it's definitely rated r because there's the the um the there's royal, nudity yeah there's nudity and and i think that's about it that's the only thing that's really r-rated about the movie um there's implied sex, but there's implied sex in this one too. Uh, oh, yeah, almost definitely. the same scene, and and that was. And I think, I think the problem is that it just doesn't go far enough for it to be like, well, this is a raunchy humor thing, or it's like it doesn't, it doesn't hit on the same levels. Maybe that's because I'm older now. Maybe that's because I've grown as a person, just in general, like. I understand that, you know, certain things are not all right, but I don't remember in the original movie them having a another country that was uh neighboring that would um that they possibly would be attacked by. Uh yeah, I do remember the general showing up in the first movie trying to give his daughter to uh Akim as as a, a wedding uh, as a mate. But this time they made sure to say the name of the country so much of next Doria, like that just, it didn't hit with me. I'm like, I get it. It's funny. They're the country next door, but it's just so cheesy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. I, and, you know, I agree with you. I, I definitely enjoyed it. I, I don't know. If, I, I mean, I obviously it's really hard for me to quantify if I enjoyed this movie more than you did or not. I'd say that I probably did just because I've seen Coming to America, the first one. I guess that's the best way to say it. I've seen the original uh, 1988 version of Coming to America, or the first Coming to America, however you want to say it. Uh, But, I mean, I I certainly have not watched it or had the same... uh, For me, I would say that my my Coming to America would be Beverly Hills Cop. Like, I I watch that movie basically every time I just feel down or ill or whatever that's like one of my go-tos is like that and ghostbusters and some other movies uh but but so i feel like maybe that's why i maybe liked it a little bit more than you but but i do agree with you there are some things that are just a little too kind of repetitive and a little too kind of on the nose and and i do think that although i enjoyed it i do agree with you i think they could have pushed it a little bit further uh, along and if they were going to focus on his his son i think there could have been 
more of the focus on him being the fish out of the water. I know they touch on it and it's there. I, well, I think that's but the, it's not nearly as much as the original. You yeah, know? I think that's the issue is that they Eddie Murphy did not want to give up the spotlight for the movie. Like he wants the movie to be about him. Like obviously, we have to have a good chunk of the movie be about his son uh, because that's what it is. It's his son coming to Zamunda instead of him going to America this time around. Um. It's it's just the little things that, like, I get it where they, they do the mirror of, of things happening, but, like, it didn't make any sense character-wise, especially for the the character of uh, Akeem. Like, he wanted to be a very progressive king. He wanted to be something different for his country, yet he ends up just doing the same thing. The only thing she changed was that I get to pick my wife like that. All right. I, I got me, I got my thing done. Everybody else. Good luck to you. Like women can't own businesses in Zamunda. What kind of progressiveness is that? Like you, they, they very much trying to paint a country where everybody's prosperous, but is it, <laughs> why don't we see that version of, of Zamunda then? Like, where uh people are not doing well um well and 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 oh sorry go ahead no no that's it's okay i was just gonna say and i and and that's the thing that i think i was kind of a little bit um i I agree with you because there's also kind of this storyline of his daughter and how she's kind of you know because the 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 main premises is that um akeem doesn't have any male heirs to the throne um and there's like kind of the sub story of like his daughter wanting to be the heir to the throne right and so to me if it would have started out and been like oh you know women can't have property or businesses but his father's still alive his father is still the king up until this point and it's like i feel like it would have almost been a more compelling movie if they would have picked one of the other one or the other thing to go after, either it's his son coming here and being the fish out of the water, or it's him struggling with his daughter to refind his identity to change those things that his father didn't, because now he finally can. And it could have almost been this story of his daughter really being the fish out of water by being the one that's like really kind of trying to push him back. And I don't know. I just, I, I think there's a lot of those elements that are compelling on their own, but they're kind of also overshadowed because they don't really get enough time to like, let them fully be expanded and realized. A lot of it just feels kind of rushed. Yeah. I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Cause we need, this movie needs to be a comedy. So things need to hit beats, you know, comedic beats quickly. And, and you have the added characters of, uh, his son, which I am blanking on the name at the moment. Um, uh, Lavelle, Played by yeah. Jermaine Johnson. Fowler, uh, yeah, and uh, his mother, played by Leslie Jones, and then Tracy Morgan is his uncle, and then you know you got the other family members there. Where you're also got to uh, incorporate all the old characters that they are bringing back, um, which are multiple characters that are played by Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall. 
Uh, even Arsenio gets a, gets a new character that he gets to play. Um, this it's uh, like a shaman type shaman yeah, yeah shaman character which is the you know the mirror to his reverend brown character mm-hmm. um that we got in the first movie and this one so and then you got you got wesley snipes showing up as general easy and then his two kids and it's just so much happening in this movie that is i don't know how long did the movie end up being 90 minutes uh, an hour and Probably. 50 minutes oh wow oh yeah, wow it did not feel like an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> uh, and yet, and yet you don't get to see Eric LaSalle's character. Like what happened to the Prince of soul glow, you know, when, when that product no longer was something that was worth it. And then how do you have the barber still alive? They were old in the first movie and this is 30 years later and they're still cutting hair looking almost the same. I mean, yeah. Cause like I, you would have to assume they were in their st- 60s or 70s maybe probably 70s movie? yeah yeah that's been 34 years like they they have preserved very well because they, <laughs> they don't look like they've aged a day so obviously that's just um these are the things that were the nitpicks i should say in my mind while watching the movie how uh, did you feel about seeing wesley snipes like I am always thrilled to watch Wesley Snipes in anything, and I I do find it interesting that you know he's not that he is doing comedic roles at this moment because the last thing I saw him in was uh, My Name Is Dolomite, you know, where mm-hmm. once again he's not he's not doing anything where he's roundhouse kicking someone to the face, you know, or or uh, uh, you know having to do some running while a subway train is chasing him down. He is doing. He is. He is working on his comedic chops, which is cool. Uh, I'm. I'm all for it. Is he the best at it? No, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm okay with that. Like I. I'm. I'm. I enjoyed him in the movie enough. How did you feel? Well, I'm glad you asked because I feel really stupid about this, but. I was so excited. I was like, "Oh man!" And like the part, this is this is where it sounds really stupid. There's a part. There's a bit of a part where some some combat action does finally happen, and I believe he kicks Arsenio Hall. I think that's who he kicks. But anyway, he kicks someone down, and I was like, "Oh, there he is!" It, <laughs> it just like totally snapped my brain back to like Blade because the body movement one thousand percent the same. And I was like, "God, why?" Uh, like I love seeing him in this, but I'm like, oh man, can we get back to some great action? Like, please, I just, oh, uh, it was well, just, I, I, it was a little bit, but it was so rewarding for me. He did say that there was something that he was working on that's going to be quote unquote the Blade Killer. So he, there's the hope. There's hope that he's going to be doing some type of action thing that will will put him on the map for that again. So I don't know if this is it or if this is even still happening, but I heard something a while back where he was attached to a project called Outbreak Z. I don't know if anything ever happened with it. I don't know if that's what you're talking about, but that was a that that was a I feel like that was a while ago that I heard that. I want to say like 2018, 2019 that I heard that. Mhm. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't I don't know. Obviously Outbreak Z it makes you think already zombies and I'm like, well, if it's a blade killer, 
and you can't really you you did the vampire thing i mean going to the assassinating zombies thing seems like the next logical step now if he ends up being a zombie person hybrid and has all of their strengths and other weaknesses <laughs> that's gonna be super weird uh but i'd still watch it yeah no i, I i'll be i'll be there and i mean i mean obviously zombies are much easier to kill than than vampires however it's it's the horde of zombies that usually get you <laughs> that's more true. than anything else um but getting back to this movie i just feel like did you i mean did you feel like it's just way too many cameos like I felt like that was one of the things that was the harsh part of this. Like the original has a lot of cameos, but those weren't cameos at the time. That was those were right. people that just needed that were starting out and then eventually they went on to do great things, so that's that's why they are now considered cameos, I guess. Uh but now this is I mean this has got Morgan Freeman, you know, doing the eulogy at the the funeral for Yep. Uh, James Earl Jones, which in his in his own is kind of a cameo because he's not in it all that much. Um, I, Tracy Morgan's in the movie. John Amos returns in the movie. Uh, uh, who else did we see? Uh, Matumbo, uh, the the basketball player. I forget how you say his first name. Uh, Louis Anderson was in there. Trevor L- Noah. L- yeah, Louis Anderson. Trevor Noah. Like, yeah, I mean, there's just so many people. In this movie, yeah, I, no, I I agree with you. I I I definitely think that was a little bit kind of over the top, and 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 you're right. Like that's one of those things where it became a part of that movie because of kind of the the success of some of those people after the fact. Um, I think there's that, and and there is a little bit too much. I don't know. Maybe this is the wrong terminology, but it it also does feel like there's a little bit too much fan service. Like yes. with all the, you know, oh, maybe nobody's seen the first one or they have seen the first one. We have to put all these like little flashback moments in there. And there's so many little flashback moments that, um, yeah, I do think it's, it, it, it broaches the point of, of being just too much. Yes. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just a little, a little too much. Um, how did you, feel about their use of the de-aging technology for the f- fake flashback of Arsenio Hall and, and Eddie Murphy in the apartment where, you know, Leslie Jones in, you know, uh, drugs Eddie Murphy's character, Prince Akeem, and, and have sex with him. Yeah, I mean, I think it's even before that, too, because they, they kind of uh, had this mashup of them at the bar. True. And then where he meets her, and like there is a very distinguishable difference, not even in just the visual qualities of them, but like the capture quality of like the film of the eighties versus the digital that they shot on for the you know twenties twenty twenty one twenty twenties I don't know what the hell to call it anymore <laughs> um but, but yeah, because like there's a I was like, oh cool, like it's that, and then boom, you're like, whoa, that's pretty jarring how much of a difference it's still matched very well uh like within terms of the world but like visually you're like well that's a there's definitely a jump that happens that's noticeable for sure so uh but again i you know i kind of ex- you kind of expect that to be the case too once you see they're going that route you're like all right it is what it is and I think you can kind of dismiss it a little bit, you know, but it's, it's 
I would say it's for sure noticeable. Uh. I don't know this for sure, but this is a thing that I've always heard that cats use their whiskers for balancing. Is that true? Do you know if that's a true thing? It sounds like something I've heard before. I I I mean, I See, I don't the, know if that's completely true. When we get to the point where he has to where uh Lavelle has to pass one of the princely tess and it's to cut off the whiskers of a sleeping lion or resting lion like i was like that doesn't seem right if that if if, if the thing of the balance is true that's 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 animal cruelty right there right like it's not the same as shearing a sheep where they need to have their uh wool sheared off uh I don't know like that was like i don't know if that's something that you want to put in the movie nowadays I mean, I don't know. We, I, I did a quick Google search, so take this with a grain of salt because I obviously this might be off some BS website. But the first thing that comes up is that it says whiskers are specifically tuned sensory equipment that guide a cat through daily functions. These specialized hairs aid vision and help a cat navigate their environment, providing additional sensory input, much like antennas that insects would have. Whiskers are also sometimes called uh, tactical hairs. So, I mean, in some capacities, yes, you are limiting the survivability of this wild animal. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, maybe it's because they're like a lion's an apex predator and nothing's going to mess with it. But like hyenas mess with lions all the time. (laughs) I I learned that from a Disney movie. Gotta be true, right? Gotta be true. So that's what that's what I'm saying. I just like I I felt like that was a weird thing to put in there to be like, oh, this is another uh, kind of misplaced uh, um, trope, so to speak. Uh, but the it things could have that, been hair off the mane, right? Exactly. It could have that easily just been heard it. And and as I learned from from uh, Dragnet with Tom Hanks, it grows back, kids. Like <laughs> they, they were happy about that. So, but the end of the movie is, the, you know, at, uh, Prince Akeem, or sorry, at this point, King Akeem uh, makes the decision that his daughter, his eldest daughter, will be the one that rules after him, uh, the kingdom of Zamunda. I assume women will now be able to own their own business in Zamunda, and uh, Lavelle will go on to being the American abas- ambassador no, the Zamunda ambassador to America at this point. So right. it's that's where they kind of come in with the progressiveness and stuff like that. So also, I loved I, one thing I did love is that they could have easily gone with Lisa hating Mary like so much, but they made it so that the two of them like were accepting of each other and at at points even even like empowering each other, propping each other up. And, you know, they got drunk together. Like, I, I, that's one thing I do have to give the writers. Like, I, I'm glad they didn't go with the other trope of snidey, uh, you know, backstabbing women. Uh, yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think that was kind of a nice uh, approach to it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Direction wise, Craig Brewer, 
looking at some of his other credits, we have Hustle and Flow, Black Snake Moan, an episode of The Shield, was a show I know you liked, The Pilot yeah. of Terriers, which is a show I liked, uh, the 2013 remake of Footloose, the... 2013 remake TV series or TV movie for Boomerang. I assume that's a remake of the Eddie Murphy movie. I would think so. I would think so too, but maybe not. Um, uh, uh, episodes of Empire, which makes a lot of sense. And then Dolomite is my name, the Netflix movie from 2019, which also starred Eddie Murphy as a bio uh, flick. Uh, for and the, Wesley Snipes. And Wesley Snipes. Well. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, how did you feel about Craig Brewer's, uh, movie here? Well, I, I mean, again, it's when you start getting to this level, it's a little tricky to tell what all is the director's choice and what all's, you know, Eddie Murphy and the studio and that sort of stuff. Right. There's a lot of, you know, cooks in the kitchen at this point. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that being said, I, I mean, I think the performances match what you would want. I I think it definitely, it feels a lot like from what I remember the, the first one feeling like. Obviously, Eddie Murphy's humor has changed a little bit since then. So you get kind of a little bit more of these moments that you, at least that I kind of related back to Shrek Eddie Murphy and and kind of moving forward from there because i feel like and again maybe that's not fair his humor might have changed a little bit before that i mean it could have been all the way back to like the nutty professor or something like that but somewhere in there there was like a definitive change in in his humor which is to be to be understood i mean that that happens right people get uh, most wiser people and older and change and most people credit to having kids and uh, sure. a family yeah yeah and so i think all that sort of stuff makes sense um if if he had any control over it, it would just be some of the, the comments that I made about the direction of the overall story, which he may not have had any control over that. It's hard to say, but uh, that's kind of the only area where I, I felt like it really suffered a lot was just it felt kind of inconsistent in what direction it really wanted to go. Um, but overall, I, I mean... I think if you just let yourself watch it and have fun with it, I, I think it's a really fun movie. You know, I, I think it's a good uh, hour and 50 minutes of escapism from kind of everything else that's going on. You know, like there wasn't really anything that that uh, doesn't get resolved in a way that feels satisfying. You know what I mean? So I think that's nice. Um, I... I, I am not one of those people that will be like, oh, well, this ruins the original for me completely. Like, I, that will never happen. You'll never hear that from me. Like, a, a sequel, remake, whatever can only make the original better, in my opinion. If it doesn't make it better, I still have the original, which I love, kind of thing. Um, so, this movie does a lot in in making me remember parts of the original that I love. And that I was completely okay with that. Like that's one of the reasons why I enjoyed this movie so much is that I could sit there and, and, and have that memory of, of Eddie Murphy and, and, uh, Arsenio Hall taking down Sam Jackson in the middle of a McDowell's or, uh, uh, you know, Louis Anderson uh, explaining to what, what it is that the rich guys get and, and they always get the women kind of thing. Um, 
which was great to see him in this too. I know that he has been on uh, baskets on an FX uh, for a while now, but like other than that, I haven't seen him in a while in a good, good, good while. So uh, I was happy with that. I do find it interesting because apparently at one point, um, Ryan Coogler had a treatment for uh, a sequel to Coming to America, and it's from what I read, it very much sounds like the same thing that he did with Creed where it's this time it was, it was Eddie Murphy's son or Prince Akeem's son that goes to America to find himself a queen. Uh, cause he doesn't want to have, he, or he doesn't want to have to marry the, the, the woman that they pick out for him, just like his father. And, uh, you know, kind of the same things happen to him, which to me, even though I love Creed is uh, essentially the same as watching Rocky just from another person kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I I don't know if I would have liked that better than I like this. Uh, even though this is kind of the same thing, but it's backwards, so to speak. I just, I'm okay that Ryan Cougar decided to do other things. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I think it definitely makes sense. And again, I, I, I agree with you and I feel like that's kind of my biggest nitpicky thing with the story is, and it's still not to say that it's not enjoyable or good for what it is and how they did it, but I personally think it would have been a little bit more interesting to just have focused on like kind of his relationship and struggles as becoming the king and then the situation like with his his daughter, you know yeah. what I mean? And like her, I'm the same way. I, I think yeah, I think they would have focused more, more on just the daughter story, like that would have been a better movie. And, and then incorporate all the jokes that you want. Like you could have done that. Well, I think uh, it would have given them more time to do that, too, because you, you're stretching the screen time almost too thin for each individual storyline that it, it's you, you. I think you just get to a point where for a, a good amount of people, at least, that watch this that don't like it, I think that's probably where the wheels are going to fall off the cart. I mean, I feel like there is a movie in there and I am not. Uh, a screenwriter uh, by any chance I am I am and I don't think I can make a better movie than anybody else but I think there is a movie in there where Prince Akeem or at the, it could be already King Akeem takes his daughter the princess to America and be like this is where I found me this is where I became the man that I am you know let's, you can retrace my steps or you can follow your own thing and we follow that story and uh, you know they meet she meets a bunch of uh, women in a beauty salon you know kind of thing and or it, you know it, it it could be uh finding a boy or a, a, a wife that she might want it, whoever knows like love interest doesn't even have to be about it maybe she figures out that she wants to go to college or you know whatever it is it could have been something interesting in that way uh coming where whereas coming to america would have been an eye-opener for her on how she wants to rule the kingdom once it is her turn yeah, I mean, it could almost be like their Rumspringer or whatever that yeah, is that's called, a very, right? Very like, good, that's a good, very good way of putting it. Yeah, you have uh, to leave Zamunda and then see if you want to come back and rule it in a better way. <laughs> uh, Filming-wise, was there anything in, any scenes in particular that uh, it looks like Joe Jody Williams did as the cinematographer that you particularly enjoyed? I mean, it, it again, it, I... Once you get to this level, it's it's very rare that you're going to see a movie that doesn't look 
finished and polished. Obviously, there are some things with the CGI and things like that that, of course, are going to happen, and you just expect that. And that I, you know, I can't take anything away from that. But now, I mean, I think it it is exactly what you would expect it to look like. Um, Speaking of CGI, I think the production design was pretty, pretty, pretty fantastic, though. I think they oh, had yes. a pretty crazy uh, task at hand for that. Um, and that's not to say that it's not a crazy task to to be the cinematographer of a movie, but I, I I think the cinematography is is captured very well. I think it looks good, uh, but it, again, in some capacity, you're doing a comedy, so you're not going to have necessarily as much freedom to be as creative as you might be with like a more dramatic film. Um, just because comedy traditionally is kind of like all high key lighting and it's a little bit more traditionally filmed, I would say. Whereas like, you know, you, you mentioned 1917 earlier and it's like, obviously it would be a little weird if we saw coming to America and it was like all shot in like a wonder, <laughs> like that would just throw a shitload of people for a loop. Right. Right. But when you watch 1917, you're like, wow, this is kind of like a really interesting different way to, to do that. And I, I, I think that that's some of the issue too is you know it's what you would expect for a comedy but that's not meant to be like a derogatory statement it's just in my opinion I think it's hard to be super cinematically creative with a comedy and especially a comedy that's a sequel No yeah I think you're I think you're absolutely right and and I I do think that that you have to have a certain look when you're doing a comedy and and this one does it 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 definitely gives you the feel that you need for a a comedic movie um i was gonna say with cgi bringing that up the 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 elephant like i thought that looked great like i was very surprised that it didn't look as it that it took me a, a little bit before i was like oh no that's a fake elephant like kind of thing yeah i mean again it, it it's it's noticeable, but it's not to the point where it's like jarring. You know what I mean? Like, um, was that was that uh, was that Clint Eastwood movie that had the fake baby in it? And it just was like, what the? F-? <laughs> it was the Chris Kyle movie. It was uh, American Sniper. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like that bad. You know what I mean? Like, not that I don't even think that was CGI. I think that was like a animatronic baby or something, but like it just jars you out of the movie. Like it's you're you're like so taken aback. But no, like the elephant, you're like, okay, the lighting's a little bit off and like the texture of its skin's a little bit off, but you kind of don't realize that until it's like kind of more into the close up and it's yeah, passing the exactly. camera. Yep. Um, but when it's first coming up to them and he's talking about Babar, you're like, oh, yeah, that that I'll 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 just suspend reality for a long enough time period to question whether that's, you know, 100 percent realistic. And then it cuts to that close up. and You're like, oh, OK, I guess it is. It is CGI. Um, the lion's not done quite as well. No, but it's not. But again, yeah. <laughs> it's also more prominently featured and that's tricky. I mean, it's, it's definitely hard to do. Uh, all in all, I would say that if you were a big fan of coming to America, in 1988, give this a try. You'll probably enjoy it. 
Uh, if you're not a fan or have never seen Coming to America 1988, you might still enjoy this movie. Uh, there's a good possibility. There's just going to be some jokes that you that don't land with you. Uh, if you have opinions on this movie and you'd like to talk to me, find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia. G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Richard, where can people find you online? So, oh, actually, real quick, uh, uh, one last thing I'll say. Uh, so, we were talking about the first one being rated R. Yes. And, and so, I went, obviously, to IMDb. So, take this, again, with a grain of salt, because it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's true. But I looked under the the, the certificate. It, that's how it listed on there. So, it says, like, certifications or whatever, right, next to the rating. Okay? So, you click on that, and then you scroll down, and it says profanity. Okay, this is what it says. There's not much profanity, but still R-rated material. 12 uses of the F-word, not much else. Wow. But okay. I'm like, 12 seems like a lot. Like, what? I mean... That seems like a decent amount. I feel like... Usually you, you get two. Yeah, you get two in a PG-13 movie. But, like, if it's an R-rated movie, if you've already hit the R-rated R rating... Why not put more than 12? Like, obviously, you don't want to just throw them in there for the sake of throwing them in there if it, it should follow, fall naturally in the, in the dialogue. But, like, 12 seems really low for me for what I have to assume is, like, a 100-minute a movie. Well, and especially for that time period and that time period of Eddie Murphy. Like, yeah. I mean, F, especially Eddie Murphy's stand-up was just like... But that's the, blah, 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 that's know, the like, difference just, is that his the the character of Prince Akeem is nothing like Eddie Murphy the the comedian like oh, he no, he has sure. to be proper and and kind and uh upstanding as not that Eddie Murphy isn't upstanding but obviously had a very uh what's that called blue blue stand up set his are you talking about the name of the of the no, just like when you when you do blue comedy, it's something that you use curse words and stuff like that. Oh, I um, I think that's what that's called. I could be completely could, wrong. I don't know anything about stand up. Totally right. <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, I, I, that's what I get it. It but did it does it not say anything about the fact that it shows naked breasts for? Oh yeah, yeah, TC? it okay. does. It's just in a different... So they break it up into categories. So they have, like, sex and nudity, and then they have, like, you know, violence and gore, and then profanity. So it's, like, it kind of breaks that up. So in comparison, though, <laughs> when, you, when you look at coming to America, it says some strong language, including ass, balls, bitch, bullshit, bastard, hell, nutsack, shit, shut up, sucks, and titties. I but mean, the other one only specifically says that it uses the tw- the F word 12 times <laughs> and then it says not much else. So I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of humorous. Uh, I mean, it's also funny that, I mean, they obviously use the word bastard a lot in the movie because they're oh, talking yeah. about Lavelle. But yeah. like the fact that that's considered a, a curse word in the first place, like to me, I, well, I don't it know. It shouldn't be. It yeah. shouldn't be in that context because no. that's 100% how the word was d- defined. So, right. That is, I yeah. I don't, 
again, it's on IMDb, so it might not be actually true or the actual reasons that it was rated R or whatever, but it is, I just thought it was humorous and like looking into that. Uh, anyway, short story made long. You can find me on uh, rightcohen.com and it just has a link to all my socials on there. So it's nice and easy uh, to, to, you know, find me. There you go. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network on our website, geekleetmedia.com. If you'd like to be one of our patrons, go to patreon.com slash Media. We have exclusive material that is only there for our patrons. And whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us. It helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast.